This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 776. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your MMA review from the weekend just gone. Before we get stuck into it, please subscribe to us. We're everywhere at the moment. Google, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify. You name it, you can get us wherever you want. And uh, we'd like you to subscribe to us. So if you are a regular listener of podcasts and you think to yourself, do you know something? I like my MMA chat on a week-by-week basis. I wonder what these lads are all about. Go on, then I'll give them a try. Hit the subscribe button. You'll never miss out on anything that we do. And if we're crap, it's free and you can unsubscribe in <laughs> oh, tough. You, can, you can unsubscribe in about four weeks' time. All right. So you know what I mean? Figure it out as you go along. If you prefer to watch your podcasts, you can do it via YouTube. Fight Disciples uh, is where we are on there. And thank you very much if you're already becoming a part of the community. And you can also interact with us on there because we've got a comment section. So you can, you know, we're talking absolute wham and you think to yourself, oh, these lads are such and such a body fanboys as we get all the time and this, that, and the other. Listen, man, jump in. First and foremost, we're fans. Just remember that. Yes, we work professionally in this game and we, we do it for ourselves on, on Fight Disciples, but we also work in, in mainstream broadcasting. So therefore, people automatically think that there's got to be uh, a certain level of professionalism. And I'd like to think that there is at certain <laughs> points. But first and foremost, the reason why we're here is because we're fans of the game, man. We mm-hmm. fucking love it. Absolutely love it. And of course, there are certain fighters and we try our best not to chuck it out there too much but there's certain fighters that you're a little bit more fond of than others all right Shavkat 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 Shav see him at Triple G this week Ooh, baby here what's going on with your boy I was expecting uh, a Shavkat fight week podcast coming up this week but Gastelum pulls out have they not managed to yeah. rebook him anything they can't get him an opponent kid every welterweight and uh middleweight I'm told on the planet is running scared of the Shavkat every single one Every single welter said no. In the middleweight division, who will fight him at 180 catchweight and he still can't get an opponent for him? So, hang on. Say that again. Right, so he's a welter, just so we don't confuse people. He's a welter, right? Yeah. He had a, he had a fight but with Gastelum at 170. That fell Correct. off. Gast, Gastelum got injured, so he pulled out Weeks the fight. ago. Weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a long time ago. So, and he was the co-main event this weekend for the show that's happening in Vegas for the Mexican Independent Weekend uh, celebrations. Yeah. So his team said that they'll fight anybody at any weight. Is that what you're saying? Uh, they'll go up to 180. Does anyone <laughs> want to take him on at 180? They can't get an opponent for him. They still they said no. Because <laughs> he's Shavkat. That's it. There you go. So we'll talk, we'll not... talk more about that on Thursday. Obviously, we've got Thursday's show. We yeah. will preview UFC Fight Night, Mexican Independence Day on Thursday properly. Hopefully by then. They find a fighter with cojones to take on the future of the sport. But yeah, they, they, they can't get a match at the moment. I think the replacement co-main events are fucking belted though, isn't it? It's Jack Della Madalena versus Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland, a fucking yeah. great fight anyway. But is that fight at welterweight? I haven't seen the actual uh, weight that that's on. I think it must uh, but be, I know yeah. it's the comment. It'd be a cracker. Yeah. That will be a cracker. Anyway, more of that. Anyway, that's, that's Thursday's show. That's the preview. We've jumped ahead, my man. We've got to obviously yeah. look back. At uh, Sydney, Australia, and UFC 293 at the weekend. Uh, and yes, right, you haven't woke up in the Twilight Zone. Don't worry, right? What I'm about to say is absolutely 100% true. Sean Strickland. Lies. Sean Strickland, ladies and gentlemen, is the middleweight champion of the world. No, nah, didn't happen. It did not happen. It can't happen. 
It didn't. It couldn't have happened. There's no way. And There's no way. He didn't need a shot from the gods. He didn't need a bolt from the blue. He did it by systematically beating up the best striker in the middleweight division. Make it make sense, Nick. Go. <laughs> I can't make it make sense. I watched it with my own eyeballs. Honestly, I watched it with my own eyeballs and was like, huh. And I'm watching round four and round five. I'm like, hmm. What is he? He's actually just entered into a MMA fight and he's just boxing and he's just doing two, th- well, he's doing three things. He's throwing the odd teep to the stomach. He's thrown a really nice left jab and he's thrown a, a straight one too. That's it. That is it. I remember back in the day, yeah. Back in the day, um, Jerry Matthews went to Manchester and he was only about 19 and he fought for the WBU world title, which back in the day, if you remember, Ricky had it and, you know, it was, oh, yeah. it was a, it was a recognised belt in the UK, not really outside the UK as a world title, but there was a time there when everyone was fighting for WBU belts and it was the Viking's son was from Manchester. His dad was called the Viking. I had the same name. What was his fucking name? He was the champion. And Derry Matthews fought him, and Derry was a baby. He's fresh out of fucking the amateurs. He's about 12 and 0, whatever, as a pro. Never really fought anybody. And he just got in there and threw a jab and a straight one, two for 12 rounds. The kid couldn't handle it. And Derry took him apart, and Derry won the belt. And that's all he did. And it was just about doing that one thing really well high guard, straight jab, straight one, two. And he did that for 12 rounds and it was mad. And I was like, fucking hell, mate, there you go. Get the fundamentals right, you sorted. And it reminded me of this performance at the weekend with Sean Strickland. It was just like, they'd gone into it going, right, can we take him down? Take down these fences. Good. My wrestler isn't. Okay. That's that out. Unless we get a lucky slip, unless he slips or we get a trip or whatever, we're going to get a chance to do a bit of jujitsu. Let's rule out the fight taking place on the ground. So how do we beat the best striker in the sport? Create the most creative guy in the sport. Well, we've tried standing at range. We did that with Alex Bahia. We walked into a big shot. We were too aggressive. It, it just doesn't make sense what he did and how he applied it and how patient he was just to see it over the line. What also doesn't make sense is that Izzy was terrified of him. Every time Strickland landed that one too, Izzy was like, running run around the fences. And I'm like, Mate, how many kickboxing matches have you had? How many times have you been punched in the face in the fucking camp for this fight? Never mind your entire career. And yet every time Sean Strickland, with all due respect to Sean Strickland, he's not a big hitter. He's not a one-punch nope. knockout artist. No. Nope. Every time he laid hands on Izzy, he was like, he wasn't, his legs weren't gone. He wasn't doing the chicken dance. But he was like, he would show a big reaction and he'd be like, uh, running away. Like he did a roadrunner act for the whole fight. At no point did he go, I ain't losing my belt in fucking Sydney to number six guy. Sean Strickland? No way. Right. I'm going to plant my feet and I'm going to do Izzy shit. At no point did he do that. He just ran away. It was it was such a bizarre performance. So bizarre. And I've seen people say, listen, everyone's, Izzy's one of the greats. 11 consecutive title fights, four years, blah, 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 blah. One bite night of the office doesn't take away from that. 
Okay, but that's not one bad night at the office. He's lost three of his last five or whatever it is. And oh, listen, he dared to be great. Jan Blachowicz took him down, concrete blankets, fuck all he could do about it. He went back in with his nemesis. Motherfucker knocked him out. He spun it back. He knocked him out. This is all building legacy type stuff. But when you have a routine defense against the number six guy in the world or whatever Strickland was, number five guy in the world, who no one's given a chance to, it's one of the biggest odds, you know, winning odds we've seen from an underdog and all that. And to perform the way he did and to be dazzled by a jab and a straight one-two, it was like, what the fuck is going on? Do you know when you get um, a new computer game, Mortal Kombat Street Fighter? Yeah. And you're, you're trying to figure out the special moves, but you're not quite there yet. Of course. So therefore, you've got it on novice. You've not got it on the fucking top, top levels yet. You've got it on the novice level, and you're just trying to figure out the buttons. And the first things that you do, jab, one, two. And yeah. you have success with it, so you just keep fucking repeating it. So for about <laughs> two weeks of this new game... That's the only way that you can win. And it's fucking yeah. annoying because you're trying to figure out the good shit, but that's how you win because you want to win. That's what watching John Strickland was like at the weekend. He did the basics incredibly, incredibly well. You're right to obviously highlight Israel Adesanya's performance, all right? Again, he was rubbish. Yeah. I, I, listen, he was. But Sean Strickland, to do, to do what he did was mightily impressive. What he did, he didn't just follow Izzy around the cage, right? He cuts the cage off properly. So therefore, he's making Izzy. Do you know when we, for those that follow us on our boxing show as well, right? We talk about Usyk all the time. And the way that Usyk makes you work when you don't necessarily want to work. He stands, yeah, he he does it with purely with his feet. He doesn't necessarily let his hands go. He's not like making you go all the time. He does it with his feet. He stands in a place where you think he's there, but he's not there. And that all sounds a bit weird, but he, st- he masters the range and Sean Strickland cut the cage off superbly. He dominated the range and he made Izzy have to do stuff consistently for five minutes of every single round. And then when Izzy did do something and it was very limited what he did, he never threw any real major combinations. It was all pot shotting and single stuff. When Izzy did do something, Sean Strickland answered immediately. And he answered mm-hmm. better. He answered yeah, yeah. with big, stiff shots. Obviously, we saw at the end of the first round, he had Izzy in all sorts of uh, trouble. But he answered with big shots, more damaging shots, the more eye-catching shots, the more effective work, even though there wasn't shit loads of it, was absolutely coming from Sean Strickland. You've got to take your hat off to that type of performance because... We know that Israel Adesanya can take you out. He's a sniper. He can take you out at any particular time. So to stand in that range, you are putting yourself at major risk. But he backed himself. His defense, I know we don't reward defense, but if there's a fight to ever reward defense, this is the fight to do it. He's catching. Hey, is he throwing stuff? And again, there's no major, major combinations. We're talking ones, twos, maybe threes every now and again. And the dude's just like, ding, 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 ding. Bang. Think that every single time his checking yeah. of kicks was absolutely yeah. outstanding. Yeah, it was. The, and we we spoke about this yesterday when we we're doing the show for TNT. Discipline. He's an egg case. You know he's an egg case, and you know that he could fucking lose it at any particular time. But he stayed so disciplined yeah. until the last fifteen happened. seconds. He yeah. was 
Oof. When it was done, it was in the book. It was done. So you've got to take your hat off to him. It, was it attractive? Is he going to be the greatest middleweight champion of all time? Probably not, mate. But from a performance on the night against that level of opponent in a, a, a land that wasn't his, yeah. a way fighter, you've got to put this win right up there with some of the greatest upset wins that have ever happened in the UFC. And if you were to sit here and make an argument that Sean Strickland's the greatest because of what happened, it's not a one-hitter quitter, it's not a bolt yeah. from the blue, it's not a shot yeah. from the gods, it's a systematic beatdown over 25 minutes against the best striker in the fucking division. If you Correct. were to make that argument and say it's the best one, I ain't going to argue with you, mate, because yeah. it was fucking outstanding what he did. Well, it's competing with Holly Holmes' head kick of Ronda Rousey. But again, one shot changed the world. It was the head kick heard around the world. Then you've got, obviously, Pena's last last year, whatever it was, against Amanda Nunes. She was massive underdog as well. But Nunes looked flat. And when she jumped on her, she grabbed her neck. She choked her out. She got that submission. Nunes has put that right in the aftermath. And then the other one, of course, is the Matt Serra one. And Matt Serra knocking out George St. Pierre, the first knockout of his career after coming through the tough season as being a veteran UFC fighter that's not really in a title pitcher. But then they throw him in with GSP and he knocks him out. Again, that was a moment in time knockout. And at the time, that was a big upset. It's over time, it's become the biggest upset because of mm. what GSP then went on to do. He yeah. got the belt back in the revenge yeah. and then he became the greatest welterweight, most successful welterweight we've ever seen in the UFC. So that's... The Matt Serra one's age like a fine wine. That's why everyone looked back and go, oh, that was amazing. But at the time, GSP wasn't, you know, 10, he wasn't, 10 fights he wasn't undefeated. Yeah, he, wasn't, right. he hadn't established his legacy at that yeah, point. Right. Part of his legacy was built on the fact that he overcame a knockout against the odds. And then went on a run. And then yeah. went on to build it. So <clears> this is different in that. Is his legacy assured? Mm. Is he is one of the greatest strikers we've seen in the UFC? One of the best. You know, in in hindsight, now there's a real conversation to go. Did we get carried away? You know, Anderson Silva was middleweight champion for fucking seven years, kid, and was doing the shit Izzy does that we cream over fucking seven years ago. And we were like, yeah. oh my God, this guy's from the Matrix. This guy is doing ninja shit we've never seen in the UFC. That's what Anderson Silva brought during this period. And again, I'm an Izzy super fan, and I will never knock Izzy or certainly knock the fact that he's dating to be great, that he's fighting every four months. He is the poster boy for me of what a UFC champion should look like as a fan. But <clears throat> you can't get away from the fact that this wasn't a one-punch finish. I said yeah. on the thingy show, if Hans Strickland managed to finish him in that first round, and by the way, quick shout-out to Mark Goddard, best referee in the game. He did not stop that fight prematurely. And another referee would have jumped in there because Strickland was throwing loads of those left hands. I think there was a moment, if you watch it, there's a moment when Izzy says something to Goddard. Izzy says something because if to go, I'm cool, I'm good. And then he kind of, he turns into the shot and he starts like kind of countering back just as the bell goes. And I think it's only Goddard watching that going, not clean, not clean, not too. I'm good, Mark. Okay, I'll, I'll back off a second. You're in control of the situation. You're telling me this is all going at split second speed, by the way. Thank God it was Mark Goddard inside that octagon because this narrative would be completely different. Was yeah. he done? That was premature. Got to have the rematch. We've got to go. For Sean Strickland's sake and for the sake of his performance on the night, I'm glad that didn't happen because that's not the narrative. It wasn't a one-punch game-changer. It was Sean Strickland laying serious hands on Izzy in the first round. It was Sean Strickland coming out in the second round and going, 
you're going to go now because you're Israel Adesanya. So I'm going to be a little bit less, I'm going to be a bit more gun shy because you're the best in the world, mate. And at some point, you're going to fuck me up. I know that. It's coming. And then he goes back to the corner at the end of the second round. And it's like, he's not doing anything. Oh, okay then. So we can't, if you watch it back, the third is a close round. In fact, Izzy's probably winning it in the same manner he did the second, just on volume, just on the fact that Sean is not throwing. And then with one minute 47 to go, Sean goes and he starts landing big shots again. That one-two, the jab, the teeth to the belly, the one-two, the jab, and he can't miss again. And he wins that third round in the same fact with in one minute 47, in the same way he won the first round. And I think he goes back to the corner at the end of round three. And that's game changer time. Because I think then he realizes. He isn't going to go. Israel Adesanya's not going to go. And he ain't going to bamboozle me like I let him in too. If I go with a straight one-two, I'm landing. I'm going to keep going. And he does it in four. He does it in five. Izzy doesn't change his game plan. He doesn't change mm. things around. There's no panic in the corner. There's no agency. to get. You're going to need a knockout, kid. There's none of that. It's all cool, calm, collected. Yeah, man, I'm fucking Israel Adesanya. You're lucky to catch me in the face, kid. But at some point, you're becoming a gif. And it's coming any minute now. I'm going to do a one fucking move and it'll be amazing. And he's so busy thinking about it. He's so busy, slightly arrogant, in my opinion. Like, yeah, one point, I'll get you, I'll get you. That he just runs away from the fight and Strickland just fucking beat him up with a one-two. Can't get away from that. He beat him up with a straight one-two. Mad. I know that we, we've praised Izzy's activity, but do you think... Two back-to-back camps against his nemesis Pereira has kind of burnt him out mentally. Because for me, watching that, he, he applied the same tactics for Sean Strickland that he did with Pereira Part 2, where he wanted Pereira to come at him. He wants him to come at him. And Pereira's not going to not come at him because that's what he does. But he does it, he's not necessarily straight all the time. He comes with wingers, doesn't he? He comes with, with, with hooks from the side, whereas Sean wasn't doing that. Sean was coming with straight shots. It yeah. felt like... The wrong tactics were implemented. He's implemented the tactics for Pereira, for Strickland, when the completely different facets to figure out. It felt yeah. like he was still in Pereira mode. It felt like Sean Strickland's one-dimensional. He's a fucking lunatic. He puts pressure on, like he did against Pereira. All I've got to do is counter him with one shot, and he'll kiss me fist, and I'll do him. At some point, he'll have a bit of success. He'll get greedy, and I'll do him, and it'll be a highlight reel. And I think that's what he was waiting for. But Strickland never bought into that. Strickland yeah. was like, one, two, I've landed. Cool. Defend. Get me work again. Yeah. Bum, yeah. Bum, 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 bum. One, two, landed again. Back to me defense. And the fact that there's zero threat of a takedown from Izzy, zero. I think he embraced that. And he embraced that with the game plan. Right. Stand he ain't going to take yeah. you down. He's never going to shoot. So stand up tall. Stand up straight. Get your legs right under your feet. Get your head, hips right under you so your balance is really good. So you can throw straight power shots with the nice tight hips. But also, you can keep that front... Like, the whole time, his front left toe was just bouncing. Just waiting for kicks. Check. Check. And then the hands were going. Bump, bump, catch. Check, check. Fuck off. Same again. But at no point... And this is the full credit that you've got to give to Strickland. And this is why I refuse to... Even as an Izzy super fan... And I want to go bad day at the office. The champ will be back and all that. And I believe that. He will be back. But I don't want to take away from Sean Strickland because what he did was he stuck to the game plan. He didn't get greedy. He didn't fucking go, 
oh my god, I can kill, I can finish this guy, I can get the finish, and that was the difference. And it would have been easy for a bit in his a bit when a couple of those shots landed when Izzy's chin went back and he kind of fell against the fence and started moving his feet. I bet you the hot fucking uh, of course Dickens heart must have been beaten out of his chest. Get him, get him, get him. But at no point did he sniff the blood and go predator mode and let the fucking, you know, the, the red mist come down. It was like, nah, man, I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm winning. And I'm just going to keep doing this and I'm just going to win. And honestly, I think the last 20 seconds, the last 15 seconds, where he just drops his hand and he's screaming at Adesanya, I think I truly believe it's because Sean Strickland mentally prepared himself for the hardest night of his life. And I think he thought... I'm going to have to prove to the world that this guy can spin and back kick me, fly and elbow me, Superman punch me to high heaven. But after 15 minutes, I'm going to still be there because I want this more than you. And I'm going to stick to what I know. I'm going to keep a high guard. And okay, you're going to hate me. And okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have to go to the well in my career, but I want this. And you ain't going to stop me. And I think by the end of the fight, that emotion where he was just screaming, like, is he going, come on! I truly believe that was him screaming to say, is that it? I, I thought this would be harder because he made it look easy. He did make it look easy. He did. Um, there's going to be chat about rematch. I've seen, um, obviously, Izzy went... Dana. Two... <laughs> Dana yeah. didn't he? Izzy went and did two minutes at press conference, you know, just to show his face as, as he always does. But then he went off to uh, spend time with his family and Eugene Berman. Uh, came in to answer various questions. And then Dennis started speaking as well in the immediate aftermath about uh, rematches. Normally when you have an upset like this, I'm I'm in full support of absolutely, you know what I mean? You got your opportunity, you snaffled it. The champ's been on a great run. Here we go. This is uh, this is what we do next. However, Matt, even again, same as you, big fan of Israel Adesanya. I'm in a different headspace with this. And the reason for it is... One, it's not a punch from the gods. So I keep saying that. This is a systematic breakdown, beatdown over, over 25 minutes. Israel Adesanya has lost two of his last three title fights. Um, and there's an opportunity here, I think, for the UFC to kind of breathe a little bit of freshness to 185. I know they don't give a shit about that. I know that, that commercially they want the biggest fights and the, and, and the best fights. But when you when you think of this division now, You've got an opportunity for a for, for not a fresh start, but just some new life. Because Izzy's tied the division up for a long period of time. He's been lapping everybody, and we commend him for that. But now you've got a situation where you've got Hamzat versus Costa next month. Let's see what happens with that. You have obviously Drikus Duplessis, who nobody knows. Nobody knows what how the UFC are going to treat him because at the end of the day, this was his fight. He decided not to take it. He's getting himself. Uh, straight for for the shot. So I don't think anybody's going to begrudge Drikus Duplessis fighting Sean Strickland if that's what the UFC wanted to do. And as well as that, Jared Cannonier flew out to Australia, weighed in as the backup fighter. Jared Cannonier has got a win over Sean Strickland. So there's loads of little bits that you could actually yeah. look at at 185 and think to yourself, you could just do, you know, you could just breathe a little bit of newness in there. Let's have, if Izzy wants to stay at 185, you never know. You might think, right, okay. I'm going to go and try something new now and go and do 205. But if he wants to stay at 185, you could breed something fresh in there by, let's go back down to, uh, you know, a 15-minute fight, a 
a co-main event, um, take a little bit of time off, go and freshen up. Um, I just think there's an opportunity here to, to freshen it up. I, I personally am not clambering for an immediate rematch. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Certain, as you say, certain fights do demand an immediate rematch and certain fights and other results don't. But you can, you also can't get away from the fact that this is a pay-per-view driven business. Um, and Israel Adesanya is a pay-per-view star. And the comeback is usually bigger than the than the downfall, just as he proved against Alex Perea. You know, there's a, there's a reason why Sean O'Malley, Aljamain Sterling, was never spoken about as being a rematch. The fact, the fact, the fact, the fact that Sterling had been the longest reigning bantamweight champion in the UFC and he beat mm-hmm. all these guys. There was no talk of an immediate rematch because of the star power of Sean O'Malley. The UFC realizes potentially much bigger than the money they make from an Aljamain Sterling as being champion. The difference here is that it doesn't matter who you are on the planet or where you are or why now the result fight played out. Uh, Israel Adesanya is a more viable and more lucrative UFC champion than a Sean Strickland. But Israel Adesanya is not right. And again, I, I don't want to take away from Strickland, and I won't. I, I flatly refuse to. But is he look poor? Really mm. poor. Mm. And it wasn't rocket science. Sean Strickland didn't reinvent the wheel. Sean Strickland didn't take him down and tie him up with jujitsu for five rounds. Sean Strickland beat one of the most talented strikers in the world with a jab and a straight one-two. That's bread and butter bollocks. That's bread and butter stuff. And for that to happen means either Izzy was shocked, means he was either caught with that hand at the start and never fully recovered from it, but he just didn't look right. And again, maybe it was just purely the tactics. And without speaking to Izzy or without hearing from Izzy, we don't know entirely what is going on between his ears. But for as much as we champion him and say sensational fights every four months, if there's ever a time to go, you know what is, man, you're a superstar kid. You're a, your Netflix documentary comes out in what, two weeks? 15 days or whatever it gets released on, that will make him an even bigger star again. Do a global tour with that. Promote that. Do six months away. I've got no issue whatsoever. He's still going to be as well as Sanya when he comes back. If anyone <coughs> deserved a bit of time away and deserved the opportunity to get that freshness back, it's Izzy. But he likes being active. He likes fighting. He likes being in camp. He obviously likes this status. And he won't want to see his belt ride off into the sunset. The difference is, even though he's lost this fight, he's still the biggest pay-per-view driver. So hopefully someone gets into his ear and says, listen, kid, we could ride off into the sunset till next summer. And this belt could go here, there, and everywhere. But with all those names that you've mentioned, when Izzy comes back, he is still the biggest pay-per-view driving opponent for whoever has the belt out of all those guys you just talked about. He is Mm. still the best opponent for them to go, my legacy builds on that. My pay-per-view coin comes from that fight. So is he, is he is a little bit of a unicorn in that? Yes, he's incredibly viable. Yes, he's incredibly important to the UFC. But that star power hasn't diminished. This is not boxing. This is MMA. So he can't afford to go away. I hope he takes a break. I'd like to see him come back next summer. I'd like this middleweight division to have a bit of fun. We'll have some other good fights, some fun fights. And then when he comes back, if he wants to, he's straight back in. One thing he will never be is an undercard three-round fighter. I can never, ever see that in Izzy's career, period. And 11 consecutive five-round title fights probably allude to that fact as well. But he's Izzy, and he can come back whenever he likes. From an Izzy fan perspective, 
I hope he takes a break. When you think stylistically of Drickers Duplessis versus Sean Strickland, fun. That's just that's just naughty, fun. isn't it? That's a naughty uh, fight. Listen, I think Drickers cried himself to sleep on Saturday night. I really do. And we listen. There's two ways to look at this. We were like, Drickers has got to be in Sydney. He's got to demand that fight. Where are you? What are you doing, Drickers? We said that on Thursday. We're like, yeah. he's missed an opportunity. What yeah, but I stand by that. I stand by that. He should have been there making noise. Because he could, you know, Izzy had his tail between his legs. He couldn't go out the room quick enough. Yeah. Drickers could have fronted up to Sean Strickland and gone, come on then, kid. I'm the guy. <clears throat> and made that fight. You're right. But I think he cried himself to sleep because he's like, if Sean Strickland could have done that, I'd have yeah. fucking battered him. He just stopped in his him. mind. And don't get me wrong, Styles made fights different. Of course, of else. course. It's impossible to do MMA maths in that nature. But from a Dricker sort of watched that and gone, you bastard. If he did that against me, I'd stop him. I'd have battered him. And I think he would have. I think yeah. he would have. Yeah. Listen, I'm, listen, we're in a fortunate position because next month, as I said, we've got Hamzat versus Costa. Somebody in that fight is going to make a statement. I'm pretty yeah. confident. Yeah. Um, I, again, stand by what we said last week, even though I'm disappointed that Drickus wasn't there making noise. Drickus is the guy. His performance against Robert Whittaker is absolutely the standout contender's performance and he absolutely deserves to go in next. It really is going to be interesting, to, though, because normally when you have a fighter that wears in, they're next. <laughs> And, use it, and using Jared Cannonier to weigh in as the backup fighter when the narrative is that Jared Cannonier has a win over the current champion. That's, again, it's just going to be so interesting to see how 185 just meanders and plays out over the next six uh, to 12 months. I, 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 I'm with you on what you've said about Izzy. Take a break, take a breath, uh, and then come back. You know he's going to come back, and he's going to come back fucking twice as hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the thing is, I think I, I think whether it's Izzy or it's not Izzy, with all due respect, Strickland was pretty much unmarked, and I think oh Strickland yeah, he, he could now, turn around quick. He could turn. Around I think quick. Strickland. Will, I think Strickland will defend that belt for the first time in Las Vegas in December. Whether Izzy's in the opposite corner, or whether it's Cannonier, or whether it's even Duplessis, I think Strick, Strickland will make his first defense in December in Las Vegas. Did um. At the at the start of the year, when we were predicting who was going to be the champions by the end of the year, did anybody say Sean Strickland? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, mate. Do you know something? It it, and it still might not even be him. If he yeah, fights true. again this year against Drikas... He's probably the underdog. To, you'd have to say the champion's going to be the underdog going into that fight. Yeah, correct. Oh, mate. Madness. Crazy. MMA, MMA is just the maddest game on the planet because there's so many ways of being able to win. I sit here all day long saying, I don't see any path to victory. And then some dude turns up like fucking F prime Floyd Mayweather with fucking shell. You know, he's got his little Philly shell rolling around. Drop, 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 bang. Drop. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, congratulations, uh, Sean. Yeah. Uh, heavyweights were on deck in the co-main event. It's tied to Avassa came out uh, against uh, Alexander Volkov. I said on last week's show, I just kind of feel that Volkov's form at the moment, he's looking really, really good. I thought that he might take this the distance over 15 minutes and eke out a points decision. He looked awesome. Yeah. Volkov is getting better. Yeah, mad. He, he, I would say that this, you know, we've watched him a lot, Alexander Volkov. This is probably a career-best performance. He uses his height, his range, uh, and all of his skills 
so, so well. I knew that he were onto something, you know, during the week. Because did you see him rock up for the press conference wearing a Stone Island? Yeah, a Stony. I knew you'd Fucking see that. Fucking lad. Absolute lad. Anybody rocking the badge, getting the badge in, I know that I know that shit's about to go down. He's completed his big back tattoo as well. The fella, since UFC London and Tom Aspinall, has been brilliant. Three stoppages on the spin. It's hard to make an argument for something mega for him in this division because he's been here for such a long period of time and there is a bottleneck right at the top of the division where we, you kind of see the paths for people like Tom and Pavlovich. We know that Jones and Stipe are doing their thing, but Volkov's in unbelievable form, mate. Yeah, and listen, I don't know whether it's because of the situation in Russia and Ukraine right now or whether it was a fallout from the COVID situation where travel was restricted in certain areas, but it's all tied in with him moving to Las Vegas as well. Yeah. He's based in Las Vegas now. He trains out of Las Vegas. He's sparring all the guys in Vegas. He's getting that kind of look where he was based in Moscow for most of his career. So is that a common denominator here Maybe. as well? Is, he, is yeah, he basically at a different level because of the people and the coaches and the potential sparring partners that are wrapped around him now as well? Is that well, you'd have to say yeah, wouldn't you? You'd have yeah. to say yeah. The results speak for themselves, obviously. And to get his third consecutive finish... I think I had a look at this as the first time he's won three fights consecutively in the UFC since 2017. Yeah. 2017, he was a top contender. And he's, pro he's producing top contender performances. That's Rosenstruck, Romanov, and now tied to Avassa. All finishes. Uh, all finishes. Two of those guys were originally ranked above Volkov as well. They're certainly not ranked above him anymore. But yeah, he looked great. <clears throat> really good. You know, perfect game plan. Kind of like Sean Strickland. What does Ty tie to Avassa? What's he got to do? He's a little squat guy, incredibly powerful. He's got to get inside your range and throw. He ain't going to take you down. He's not interested. He wants to put his fists on your chin. That's the only tactic from Ty to Avassa. Well, if you know that and you're intelligent enough as a fighter to go, right, what do we do to counter that? He is going to get inside. Because he's wily, he's a veteran, he's experienced. He's been the little guy in the heavyweight division his entire life. So he knows how to get inside the range of much taller fighters and get some work off. So what do you do there? And Volkov's reply was, when he gets inside, we go. That's what he did. Every He dominated that range. He used that reach, used his kicks, everything else. I know, I know Taito Avassa was having some success with those leg kicks as well. But I think that's because Volkov had a bit of a wide base ready to go, right? Long, long, long. Oh, you're inside, are you? Go, 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 go. And it was like, bum, 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 bum. And that's where Ty, Ty's looking to get there to work. Every time he got there, Volkov worked. That was his counter to it. You're inside now. Go. Boom, this is what we train for. Bum, 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 bum. Straight shot, straight shot, straight shot. And then as you step back, boom, one uppercut for good measure. It worked like a fucking dream in there, like a dream. And Ty had no answer to it because you're beating the guy on his own game. You're beating yeah. the guy on the inside. Brilliant. And then to take him out with an Ezekiel choke, mate. Just to explain to people, right? And I think that's the third Ezekiel choke in UFC history. They're fucking hard to do without a gi on because the whole point of an Ezekiel choke is that you're holding the cuff of yeah. your, of your gi. Yeah. <clears throat> And then you throw the arm across the throat and then dig it, obviously, in to, to cut off the arteries. To be able to do that with no gi, one, you've got to have a fucking incredible grip. And two, I'm not surprised. I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, because off the back of our TNT conversation, 
you watch uh, Ty in that moment. Ty must think to himself, there's no way he's going to fucking Ezekiel chop me here. Of course. Because they're just so ready. Yeah. So he's put, he's consistently pushing those hips and he's, he's in effect, he's doing kind of the right thing. But then surely there's a moment where you think he's like, hang on a minute. He's just put his Stop fist please. in me. Th- he's just put his fist in my throat, man. Uh, shit. I better fight these hands. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? That is an, that is an incredible, obviously he's a big, long dude is Volkov, uh, yeah. So he's obviously got a little bit more real estate to be able to fucking hold on to whilst he's doing the Ezekiel, Ezekiel choke. But don't underestimate how tough that is to do. Very, very tough without a gi on. Fair fucking play, mate, to be able to sink that in. Yeah. He's very experienced. You know, Volkov's been there and done it, man. And and in those positions, he's incredibly dangerous, especially when he's sitting so high up on your chest, like a concrete blanket. I think it was a bit naive of Ty to just keep pushing down. What Ty's trying to do is push the hips down to put him back into guard to ultimately try and get his hips out and escape. And if you remember, he'd taken him down. Well, on both occasions, it was Ty throwing that leg kick, which he had success with. Mm. But the first time, Volkov moved out the way and he fell on his ass and he got top position. But then Ty managed to get up. And then literally moments later, he threw another leg kick and Volkov kind of semi-caught it and just tipped him off balance. And he fell back and then he went into guard again. So Ty was doing the right thing until he... But there was no realisation of... Oh, oh, wait shit. a minute. I'm getting yeah. choked out here. He's got, he's, got a, he's got a front head choke on me here. And he's yeah. got his entire 260-pound, six-foot-seven body weight pressing down on me neck. And meanwhile, I'm trying to scooch his hips back out. Fucking hell, wait a minute. Better fucking pull that on. Better, better try and turn me head. Better do anything except lie here and wait for him to choke me out. So I think the realisation from Ty just didn't come. Whether he knew what was happening, I'd, you know, I'd like to think he did. He's a professional mixed martial artist. But it was bizarre that they go that it was Sanko was like Ezekiel coach. Oh my god, he's going for an Ezekiel choke. And Ty was like <laughs> pushing on the hips. Like, hey, what are you doing? Choking your ass. <laughs> Mega for Volkov though. Mega. Yeah. Incredible victory. An incredible run of form. Gonna be really interesting to see how he per how he pairs off next. I think he's probably, if we're really honest, he's probably gonna get a, one of the losers of these matchups that are made like Blades is Blades Almeida made? I think that's I think that's booked in uh, in the not too so. distant future. Blades Almeida, obviously Stone uh, Jones and Stepe are probably going to retire. Um, yeah, it, it'll be I think the loser of one of them top contender fights because you can't keep him now fighting the number ten, the number eight, the number nine guy because the guy's on fire, doing really really well. Yeah. Anyway, well done. Paul I guess. Could do He's Spivak. Coming off, off the loss to Cyril Gan. Could do. Maybe. Maybe. I think Spivak is still ranked above him. Mate. Well, Cyril. Maybe not now, but it's been over time. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe even Cyril. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> wear a stony, get a back tattoo, choke some dude out. <laughs> Fucking winner. Well done, lad. Um, Manuel Cap, Felipe Dos Santos, fight of the night by an absolute country mile. Felipe Dos Santos, we didn't know too much about him coming into the UFC. 7 0, obviously, as a pro. We knew what Jimmy was coming out of. We knew what company he was keeping. So we kind of backed the fact that he'd be game as fuck. Uh, would the UFC be too much of a level? Turns out, okay, he got an opportunity against a top 10 guy who showed that he was a top 10 guy. Mano Cap is absolutely legit and won the fight relatively comfortably in the end. But the Santos was like a shit that would not flush, man. He absolutely announced himself. 
and he has confirmed to everybody watching he's a UFC fighter. He'll have learned tons from that. There's not many fights in this division that he's going to have that are going to be tougher technically than what he did against the Mano Cap on, on Saturday night. I'm so looking forward to seeing the dude again because he's hard as fuck and he don't go away. He's a typical shooter box fighter. Yeah, man. Listen, I, listen, I know he lost, but he lost to the number 10, number 10 guy in the world. And when you look at the amount of energy the UFC have put around someone like a Charles Ro- is it Charles Rosser? What's the kid's name? Rosser? Rosser's Jr. He's fighting this weekend. Rosser's Jr. Yeah, he's, he's in Vegas this weekend. Yeah, But when you look at the amount of energy and noise they put behind him as being this young, upcoming future star in the UFC, for me, that kid looks a little bit one-dimensional like Rosser's Jr. He's just got a good ground game. I mean, there's massive holes in his stand-up game um, <clears throat> as his busted nose suggests. But this the Santos for me looked like a better prospect. This guy looks fucking incredible. To do He's that, young, isn't he? Is he 22? Yeah, 22. 22 yeah, yeah. years of age, his eighth professional fight. Goes in against Manel Cap. And not only, you know, not just a normal Manel Cap. Manel Cap that's in a really good headspace. Yeah. Uh, okay, saying some stupid shit on the microphone. And obviously that that, yeah. But as in fighting terms, this guy's where he needs to be right now. He's one of the top contenders in the flyweight division. He probably should be ranked higher than he actually is. He's accepting fights with the likes of Figueredo, Kai Kara France, Alex Perez. You know, he, he wants to fight the best guys. They're all pulling out against him. And he's right there on the cusp of a title opportunity, in my opinion. That's how good Manel Cap's probably a peaking as an athlete right now. I know he's quite deep into his career and he's been a, you know, he was a fucking champion in Bison when mm. Santos was still an amateur before he'd even made his pro debut. That's how experienced Cap is. But Cap is bang on at the moment. That wasn't a young 22-year-old kid coming in and a ranked guy taking it easy on him, a little bit of a veteran. You, no, you had to work. Cap was fucking on. He was on. And DeSantos lived with him. So for me, even though Manuel Cap comes out of it, I'm like, rolling forward, kid. One winner, you know, you're, you're one like Figueredo win away from a title shot. So you should be. I'm also coming away saying, <clears throat> DeSantos, man, let me see that kid again. I want to see him against... You know, just just a dude, just a dude. You know what? Here's one for you. Would you put money on one day, Monmachia versus Felipe de Santos for UFC gold? I think that's a good bet. That's how good he was. That's how it, that's how impressed I was by the kid, even in defeat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, mate, listen. If the story of Charles Oliveira isn't anything to be uh, inspired by. Yeah, you know that that dude's coming and he's going to be here for a period of time. Diego Lima, who's the who's the head coach there, we know him quite well, obviously from times that we've been on UFC shows. Mm-hmm. He's listen, right guy in the corner, right people around him. He's got a fucking huge set of stones, the kid. So you can mm-hmm. tell that the talent's there. He's just took on one of the top ten guys. He'll be back. Mano Cap started his career in the UFC with two straight it's defeats sure. because they chucked him straight. Well. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. They, they had him as the backup for the title shot, and then they chucked him straight in with Pantoja as his first fight. Mm-hmm. Pantoja is now the champion. So Manuel Cap's first fight in the UFC was Pantoja. Pantoja beats him. He then fights Matteo Nicolau, who I've tipped to be the champion one day. Uh, again, another top 10 ranked guy. He fell short there. And then obviously they dropped the level of opponent down, got the confidence going. He's won three on the spin. He's just taken out uh, Dos Santos. He's had loads of fights, obviously, booked that have fallen off. Figueredo. Obviously, Kakar of France, there's a couple of others as well along the way. Cap's ready. Cap's ready for top five now. He's ready to get stuck into the absolute top boys of the division. Yeah. Sometimes that's just how it goes. You've got to figure out the level for yourself. 
Cap did it. There's no reason why Dos Santos can't get it. Really excited about him. From a cap point of view, you just touched upon it there. This dude had a phenomenal week until the fucking last moment on the microphone. The phenomenal. Last, sentence, last word phenomenal, out of his mouth. Phenomenal week. Thursday, press conference, right? Nobody knows who Mano Cap is. Nope. The dude took over. Absolutely gave it to Kai Kara France. He's getting booed by the home fans. Doesn't matter. He went full Colby Covington. He's fucking chucking bottles, saying, you want some as well, fucking Alessandro. I'll fucking give it. You sit the fuck <laughs> down. It's a little <laughs> tiny little thing. Give it it. Absolutely. Everybody the day after sees that. That's the viral moment of the press conference. Correct. Fucks this little man or cap. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I'll go on then. I'll pay attention to his fight. You pay attention to his fight. You're going, fucking hell. Look at the hand speed on this dude. Range control. Fantastic. Brilliant fight of the night. You're going to get your bonus. He comes out on top. For me, it was 30-27. You could argue 29-28, but it doesn't matter. He wins the fight. Looks absolutely sensational. Gets on the microphone and he's killing it. Absolutely fucking killing the post-fight interview. I'm thinking, Manuel, what a week for you, sunshine. You are going right to the top and then all of a sudden, wax out a homophobic slur. I'm like going, you fucking prick. What? Yeah. Oh, mate. You fucked it. You fucking idiot. You've absolutely smashed all week, smashed your fight. You've got into Kaikara France. All that stuff about, if you turn me down again, I'll come to your gym and I'll spy you. I just want to fucking kick your ass. I'm like going, bro, you've nailed Brilliant. this. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. fucking nailed it. And then he does the thing about, because all your teammates, and he says what he says. I'm thinking, yeah. listen, we've this got... Close. He was mate. this close to the perfect fight week. Now, I know that... Obviously, there's probably not going to re- be repercussions for him, but there should be. There should be. Of there, there absolutely should be. should be repercussions for him. There should be a fine. There should be some fucking education. There should be yeah. some fucking uh, consequence for saying that. We're, we're talking about the premier fucking organization in the world, right? Who have yeah. do, who do work away from fight nights, about inclusion. They do all those things. They put on, they've got homosexual champions in the fucking division, in in, in the organization. Or or did have, should I say, with uh, Amanda Nunes, the poster girl for the LGBT plus community. Obviously, she's retired now, I get that. But they've been there, done it and got the t-shirt. They've got athletes that are homosexual. To have an athlete on the Premier Organisation on a pay-per-view fucking make a homophobic slur, it is not acceptable. And they have to take a stronger stance against that shit. Correct. Correct. There's been no fallout at the moment. And, to, you know, aside from that, the cap Kaikira France fight is now way bigger than it was prior That's to huge. this fight. It's huge it's now. Huge. Massive. It's, it's, a, it's potentially a fight night main event. So... It's worked, but the UFC, you're right, have got to come out and they've got to, there's got to be a ramifications to using that kind of language. Um, and that, there has to be some kind of punishment to it. There's got to be. Otherwise, you're, you're basically saying it's cool to have that yeah. kind of mindset. And it isn't yeah. at all. Listen, if, if, the, if the UFC come out immediately after, they absolutely condemn what the lads said. They said, listen, we're not giving him his 50 grand. Yeah. No, that's not how you behave. You behave Correct. from start to finish as a you're representing the, yourself and you're representing the company. Yeah. That's not where we're at on our moral standing. Yeah, all right, it was fight of the night. We're not giving him his 50 grand. That's his punishment. And we're going to make him 
do some proper fucking education on this on yeah. the situation, and he's coming out in a minute and he's going to make a fucking uh, a public Statement. apology with, with, with what he's just said. Bingo. Right there, you go. There you go. Done. Done. Anyway, and the fact the, that isn't know, being done is a travesty. It is. It is, and it's. Listen, I don't want to dwell on it too long because obviously we're here to talk about fighting, but it is. A, it's a big thing, and they need to take a the firm thing stance is, on those. He wasn't the only person on this card to use that no, language. Use a, that no. word. It's fucking yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. <clears throat> um, uh, best of the rest on the main card. We had fucking Justin Taffer, mate. He might be my new favourite fight, you know. Just because he's got a the fucking... Tashed. Yeah, he's got, got a great tash. He's got an unbelievable tash, right? I love them um, them Maori tattoos. Do you know like when they get them On the hips. tattooed? The hips and the waist. Tyson Pedro's got it as well. Him and uh, Justin Taffer have the same fucking get up, full, don't they? Full covers, don't it? Goes from the hips down to the knees and everything do, in that do, area do, do is done. cock and balls? Mate, your cock, your balls, your arsehole, the full it is done. The fucking arsehole! That's yeah. the fucking lot of it. Right, I'm telling you. The whole thing is done. If you do it right as well, it's done with a it's done with a stick. It's not done with a gun. It's done with a, an old stick and they tap it. They dip the ink. And it's a sharp sometimes it's like a shark tooth, or sometimes you just sharpen a stick, they dip it in the ink, and then they tap a it shark with another tooth. Stick. Yeah, they can use a tooth, yeah, an animal tooth. Dip that in the ink. Make it razor sharp and then just tap it in your skin. That's how, obviously that's how traditional Maori tattoos are actually done. So the old tapping technique, yeah. So it's not even with a, a metal gun, which would take, you know, fucking out a quarter of the time. It would take hours. Right. Imagine someone just tip tapping away with a sharp stick on your genitals. Your it's like, yeah, Talk man, that. there you go. There you go, kid. Be finished in three hours. Enjoy yourself. Different type of men, kid. Honestly. Different, different type of men. Well, he's got hands like fucking concrete, pal. I shit myself at the start of this because obviously this is a remake of the fight that got called off because of one of the most horrific eye pokes that you've ever seen in your entire life. And within yeah. 10 seconds, to fucking split, they split the action up because of a fucking eye poke. I'm like, going, no. But luckily, it was just a grazy one. And Taffer's just pissing himself going, yeah, whatever, mate. I'm ready to go. And then about, what, two minutes later, he lands the bomb from hell. Oh, my days. Absolutely outstanding. Uh from Justin Taffer. I kind of like the little Maori celebration as well. Everything, man. Everything about it. Taffer's fucking little face on him with a tash going all Magnum uh, PI. Beautiful. And your boy Tyson Pedro did the business too. Yeah, listen, I think the Taffer one, it, it doesn't last long. It's definitely, you've definitely got to go back and watch both of these finishes because they're unbelievable. And obviously yeah, you need first to- first rounders get stuck if, in. If you, haven't, if you haven't watched 293 yet, obviously you need to go and make sure that we're not lying to you that I'm not sure strictly. Yeah, 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 yeah. This ain't every fools, man. It's yeah. legit. <laughs> you need to see it with your own eyeballs yourself <laughs> to to know it's the truth. So no doubt people will go back and watch it, but they absolutely don't skip past these two because they were incredible moments. And Taffer, as you say, the eye poke would have been a reason. Any other man, you know, a lot of people would have lost the rag then. After what happened last time, fucking hey, they lost his eyesight. First 10 seconds, guy pokes you in the eye again. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have begrudged him if he just saw red and started screaming and shouting and fucking ah, but he didn't. He just went back to the corner and kind of went like, oh dear, oh well, go on then, carry on. And he from that southpaw stance, he's got that lovely big long right hand, and he threw that looping right hook, boom, connected. A couple of seconds later, boom, connects again. So now Lane's thinking, oh here we go, that that fucking right hand. Caught me a few times here, you know, as my guard low, what's happening? Is he seen a hole? 
So Lane's starting to think. Lane was just kicking, but he kept getting clipped with this lead right hook. And then the third time it come, boom, it clipped him. And Lane kind of went like, yeah, expecting that. And as he lifts his hand up like that, he just went with a left hook. Boom! There's one from the other side. And he did not see that one coming, obviously. Bang! Goes down like a fucking tree in the middle of the forest. What was weird is that Taffer stepped in. And then there was a brief second before he dropped down. He kind of like checked himself. Is he out? No. Boof. And he drops down with this ground a pound, just like fucking punching his head through the canvas. I was like, oh my God. Stop it quick before he smashes his skull. There was, there was, that was personal, wasn't it? For Justin Taffer, that one was personal. You nearly robbed me of my eyesight, motherfucker. I'm going to punch your head through the floor. Yeah. Say what? Pedro against, yeah. Pedro against Tukali seemed to get personal as well. I think Tukali said something throughout the course of the week about uh, Tyson Pedro's misses or something, didn't he? He, he said something. I, I didn't pick <laughs> yeah, it. Fucking so fucking Tyson Pedro took his head off. Hey, his hands, mate. I know that he's changed these uh, camps up now and obviously he's with the yeah. City Kickboxing guys and he's uh, hes working with Eugene and the dudes there. But his hand, that's the best he's looked on the feet. Best by a yeah, mile. Yeah, it was best by a mile, yeah. And, it, it, and he's got this... Because he come in with a big reputation. Everyone knows the backstory, the Pedro family and everything like that. And it's like, yeah, Tyson Pedro's here. And in Australia, for for right reason, because of the legacy of his family name, he's kind of put on this pedestal. And we've not really got to see it in the UFC. You know, the win over Paul Craig aside, every decent opponent he's been in with, he's lost to. So it's a bit like, uh, what is this Pedro, Tyson Pedro thing? And at the weekend, he finally looked like the Tyson Pedro the Aussies are excited about. He finally looked like the guy that he was. we were told he was. Big, long, confident with his striking. You know, maybe he needs it to be personal. Maybe he needs that energy. Like he said, I've never wanted to batter an opponent more than Turkal. Maybe that's what Tyson Pedro needs. Maybe if, if you'll get matched with Tyson Pedro next, get, buy him a bunch of flowers or send his wife a dozen roses or something because you, you don't want to get on his bad side because if that's his bad side, he's going to fuck you up. But you look great. You're right. Lovely big one-two. Then he hits him with the right hand, I think it was. Body kicked him. Nearly folded Turkal in half. But even then it was like, boom, body kick. Turkal was like, oh, my fucking days. But he was still patient with it. He didn't rush in. It was just like, right, okay. Yeah, I know I can hit you now. Boom. There's a big right hand. Done. All she, that is all she wrote. He looked great. He looked brilliant. Hmm. A um, few decisions on the prelims. Listen, I'm not going to harp on and say, definitely go and watch all these and, and what have you. Uh, but Carlos Ulberg, allegedly, listen, allegedly, when he uh, arrived in Sydney, he, was, he had a problem with his leg. He couldn't walk on his leg. And uh, they thought that he had gout or something. Wow. So so they managed to get some medication or something like that, which helped him with the pain. Turns out it's not gout. He's having some tests run on his leg. So he's literally, I know, uh, he, yeah, I know that he got the submission with, what, a second to go in the third round mm-hmm. um, or 10 seconds to go, whatever it was. The, um, but he's literally for fucking 15 minutes, near enough. We, we are oh, bad. Like, we, yeah, he can't fucking walk. Fucking these are these Aussies, man. They build them fucking different, don't they? Yeah, no, no. he's a beast. Him, I really like him, and that was a that's a good submission win for him as well. Like that's a a good little statement. But as you say, with the adversity he's had coming into the fight, to uh, and the crowd loved it as well, man. He's obviously got a big fan base over there, isn't he? Like a 
a model by day, fighter by night, doesn't he do like oh, mate. modeling campaigns and He's stuff? He's a good looking and... bastard, isn't he? Him and Tyson Pedro, man. Yeah. I mean, imagine that. Imagine looking like that and being hard, and being hard as fuck as well. Yeah, fuck. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're not going to go short, are you? You're not going to go They're... short, let me tell you that. They're the type of two fellas that you walk into a, a bar with your beard and you just go, you know what? I don't fancy yeah. in here. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, fancy yeah. Fucking... Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, here he is. Is Ty? Hi, Ty. <laughs> it's Ty Tuvasa. Here he is. Is our mate Ty? You don't fancy him, baby? Yeah, yeah. Different, different energy. Wow, different man. energy. <clears throat> anyway, all in all, decent uh, from uh, from Sydney. As we said, it would would be. I know that it didn't necessarily have the star power to bring people in for a numbered card and what have you, but it delivered lots of unbelievable wow. talking points, including probably the biggest talking point for the last few years, where Sean Strickland beat Israel Adesanya to become the middleweight champion of the world. Going to be interesting to see how this landscape now plays out over the next six months. Plus, the um, let's just say the PR campaign or maybe the uh, the world media tour of Sean Strickland. That's going to be funny. Yeah. Yeah? Good luck managing that, kids. Good luck managing that one. Fucking hellfire. If you, if you thought he was mad prior to this, wait until it's... Because I haven't sunk in yet. Still no. hasn't sunk in. You know, you've been on a flight back to the US... It hasn't sunk in yet. But when it sinks in in a couple of weeks' time, when he wakes up one morning and goes, I'm the best middleweight in the world. Then he's, he's going to go to a fucking level. And then hold on to your hats, kid, because he's going to take us on a hell of a journey. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Absolutely. We all might get cancelled. We all might get cancelled in... Uh... If, if he's running the show. Anyway. What a, what a mad state of affairs that by the end of this year, realistically, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, realistically, we could have Sean O'Malley, Sean Strickland, and Colby Covington oh, as the poster boys of the UFC as UFC champions. Sean O'Malley sound, man. Sean O'Malley's not going to say mad shit. Sean O'Malley knows the game, right? The other fucking two, fucking hell, you need a censor for the pair of them, don't you? Jeez. My word. Anyway. My word. Anyway. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show. Uh, mad weekend in the world of MMA. And it rolls on because it's Mexican independence. And therefore, there's a special show coming out of Las Vegas this week where Grasso defends a crown against Shevchenko. And you've got Kevin Holland on there as well, taking on Jack Della Maddalena, which should be a cracking co-main event. We'll get stuck into that card a little later on in the week. Come and join us for it. Fightdisciples.com is the website. Everything is there for you. Uh, to subscribe to us audio-wise, and you can also do it via YouTube as well. Fight Disciples on there. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.